0: Hello everyone and welcome to Phaedra's High Desert Transgender Blues. I am Phaedra and I am very excited today because today is the first time I've decided to do this podcast like, in earnest. If you've listened to the other episodes you may have noticed they're rather humdrum and uninspired and perhaps even insipid and that's for a reason, because I did them just to do them, just to start to break the ice. Kind of like my first couple YouTube videos were the same way, just bleh. just me kind of rambling to ramble, because if I didn't, I was never going to get off, was never going to shit get off the pot. So I, as brief introductions go, am a 44-year-old trans woman who Alternates between sounding like a belly guy <laughs> and a poor imitation of Quentin Crisp. Um, I've been out now for seven years, and as far as passability goes, I basically still rank in the boy in a skirt sort of <laughs> plateau, I guess. Um, And that's fine. Hashtag, I am enough. Um, Hashtag, trans as fuck. Because, you know, we'll get into all that stuff later, but um, the voice has been the hardest part for me, other than, well, it's all been hard. My boobs don't want to grow, my hair doesn't want to grow. And for some reason, due to some deep-seated insecurity that I have, I find it incredibly difficult to imitate a woman's voice long enough to be able to start believing in it and hold on to it for dear life as it, just, as it was my own all along. So um, that was a big stumbling block at first for all my social media stuff, um, but I'm not going to let that bother me anymore, or I haven't been letting it bother me, actually. Um, I've just been rather busy, so I don't know, maybe I've been a cab- perhaps accused of being bipolar, manic-pensive from time to time, but yesterday I was in a shit mood, and today I'm in a good one. And I think the difference was that last night I felt ashamed that my apartment was just totally covered in my shit everywhere, like it was such a mess, and right now I'm living with one of my best friend's mothers who doesn't charge me any rent, and she's so sweet And she had to go to court today and potentially uh, go through some not fun court stuff. And I just couldn't bear the thought of her waking up to a shitty apartment. So I cleaned and cleaned and cleaned. And I think having done that, I feel like I'm back in the mode of taking charge of my reality and life and such. And that feeling makes me feel good in a way that I wasn't feeling yesterday when I was feeling very much like a slacker, and therefore not to control the matter. And Anywho, I've also unearthed some journals which rather tell the tale of the intro to Fader's High Desert the Blues. Um... It looks like i tried to, like, write this shit down already. Um, And so I might as well use it, right? I've got about a 45-minute ride coming up to go visit my friends. And so I think I'm just going to dictate that whole thing along the way. Now, before I launch into my grand narrative, I would like to... Say a few more things by way of introduction. Uh, Phaedra's tra- high desert transgender blues came into existence, as it were, in the sense as sense of my conceiving of it and then committing it to paper sometime in um. December 2017, or January 2018. Um, I was bored, I was living at my mom's, which although not exactly the worst experience in the world, is definitely going to be the subject of one of my future podcasts. Um, and I was definitely feeling a little ennui, definitely feeling a little... What the fuck have I done with my life? And the phrase actually comes from not the Bob Dylan song something, something subterranean blues because fuck Bob Dylan. I hate him. And if you're not going to listen to my podcast because I don't like Bob Dylan, well, I kind of like him, barely, but not he's not the voice of my generation or anything, so... And I definitely don't think he deserves a Nobel fucking prize. But uh yeah, don't listen to my podcast if you find my opinions repulsive or un- unforgivable. I have lots, <laughs> lots more offensive ones coming right up, I promise. But um, my friend DJ um, had this composition notebook that was laying on a din- diner, uh, dining table at my friend Adam's house one night. I never picked it up, read it, or even asked him about it, but the title of it just struck me as so funny. It was scrawled in the top, front of this composition notebook was DJ's um what's the word? Uh DJ's uh, something detox blues. Like it's not DJ's penitentiary detox blues. Jailhouse. DJ's jailhouse detox blues and it just struck me as so fucking funny and even though I've never mentioned it to him or said anything about it I've I've carried it with me for years and years and always just kind of been jealous like man why don't my journals ever have names that cool in fact I maybe even started like naming my journals after that (laughs) giving them little titles like lost in the confusion because yeah I was just so thoughtful. Anyway, um, it was the title of a journal entry Phaedra's High District of Blues. And uh, I do believe that it was just either in that same sit down session or very quickly, maybe like an hour later or something, that I began the first list labeled Phaedra 101 which I believe will probably be the topic of next episode. So moving right along. um, It's what, 2021 now? And I just started all the social media stuff um, less than a year ago. And of all of it, uh, Phaedra is not actually the first thing I ever conceived of. My YouTube channel, Androgymy, I conceived of just a month or two after first coming out. Uh, And coming out is a whole other episode as well. Um, And it was really just born out of the fact that for the first time in a long time, I did something I never do, which is buy myself something nice. And in this instance it was the Samsung Galaxy Note 3. I just wanted a tablet so bad. I was completely obsessed with the idea of having a cell phone but with a big ass screen that could do lots of cool shit and had a stylus and you know was you know in the running for the best phones on the market with Apple and um, I just had to have it. And it was a lot of money. And it got stolen, and I confronted the guy. I went to jail because I didn't confirm him very well, but that's another episode. Long story short, now I had this amazing ball, a baseball's phone. And what the hell was I going to do with it? Call people? No. So, my uh, brilliant idea was I was going to start making videos because, you know, having just come out, I was all over the internet um, trying to find stuff, uh, information makeup tutorials and more information on gender identity and just really trying to like deep deep into the puzzle of what was going on with me. And so I uh, come across some uh, various YouTube channels, namely Perfect Androgymy, um, Androgenetics, uh, both of which were offshoots of uh, Five Awesome Trannies, which I never got to see. But I do dearly love love Um A huge, what, what little snippets exist online, uh, were a huge inspiration to me when I first came out and continue to be to this day. Thank you, Alex. In any case, um, uh, The Dollhouse, uh, which all I think all of these have pretty much disbanded. Um, Joseph Harwood uh, is still making videos, I believe. Uh, Maeve Lavangelista, is the only person from um, all of these uh, various groups that I still, like, actually follow just personally on Facebook because she was the voice of trans reason reason and wisdom to me uh, more than anybody else, uh, especially when she came to defense of one of her fellow uh, uh, channel co-hosts, like, um, I guess, some of the other members of the group didn't think she was trans enough or something, or maybe some of the viewers were uh, rooting on her and maybe just like, fuck that shit. I was like, that's right, girl. And that's probably where my whole, well, part of where my big part of my sense of trans as fuckness comes from, and not really giving a shit about passing. The other part comes from Leslie Feinberg, uh, whose clothes I'm gonna mangle, but it goes something like, passing, it means having to hide yourself fear in order to live. And those words were so huge to me because the fact that I would never be passable was a huge concern of mine when I first came out. Although coming out was no... At that point, had, uh, my lightning bolt moment had come and gone. And there was no choice. You know, The leap of faith was going to be made. It had always been made. Uh, and I might as well just let you know now that I'm kind of a determinist. Um, so in a way... It, just, it was just one of those moments, I'm not sure if there's a good word for it, but it was almost like was timeless or all time, you know, like I, that one moment I just saw my past, my future, my pre- like it was all just one big thing and I was trans, that was just it. Or not trans per se, I didn't really have a word for it, I just knew that I was coming out, whatever the fuck that meant. And uh, that was the time, I mean, it, that that moment. Just literally, was like lightning bolt. It took not even half a second. But I digress. Um, so yeah, uh, things were you know kind of getting interesting around the time I came out. Now, this is back in 2013, mind you. So um, Facebook was just uh, had just added, you know, the 50 different gender um, identities that was so mind blowing and in 2014 would be uh, Laverne Cox uh, was in Time Magazine uh, with a very important seminal article the transgender tipping point the new frontier of the civil rights movement and you know not long after that Caitlyn Jenner and et cetera et cetera I mean it was just so weird that and so i don't know synchronicity i suppose that you know i had finally let myself be myself i guess you know, right at this time when things were really stepping like going into fast you know high gear moving fast and i kind of wanted to throw my voice in there you know just like now transgenders were a shocking development and everybody had their opinion on it. I wanted to toss in my attention. So I created a uh, sort of, you know, uh, alias Facebook uh, persona. And underneath that started the channel Androgymy. And then for seven years, I did nothing with it whatsoever. Until I moved out here, back to California, back to the high desert, and the events which I will soon unfold for you came to pass. Which I believe is just the perfect segue for starting the narrative. I find it rather difficult as a trans person to pick a starting point for a narrative. I mean, any transfers, I think, would have a problem with that. Uh, like, where do you begin? <laughs> where did you first know? Uh, a highly irrelevant question, I think. Um, no, I'm going to start my story about uh, like in the fall of 2017. Because I've already written in a journal about it, and therefore I only have to dictate it. And I wrote this a while back. I don't know if it's any good. It's crammed with little notes in the margins, and my handwriting is atrocious. So uh, you may be appalled that I'm driving and going to like be reading this narrative, narrating it to you. But I'm also, uh, you know, a desert dweller. Now here, you know, traffic's not that bad. In fact, uh, before long, I won't have to pay attention to it all, you know, it's just gonna be deserted roads, dirt roads, uh, the only thing I'll have to worry about is not hitting the quail. Um, and I've got plenty of time on my hands that if I just, you know, have to focus on the road and I can't make a lot of progress, then so be it. Um, but to sort of set the stage, essentially every year from the time I came out, just got progressively worse and worse, like a downward spiral. In fact, this downward spiral, who knows how long it'd be going. Um, I'm not even sure where the high point is that you measure the downward spiral from at this point anymore. Um, Although, I guess the easiest place would be to say Chicago, where um, I lived for three years after breaking up with, um, let's just say someone very important for the time being, and uh, I, was, I was on my own again for the first time in forever. I was 29, and just like coming to the high desert, it was extremely rocky and uh, not fun at first, but eventually became one of the high points of my life. And um, I, I don't think I've quite come close to achieving that same like level of whatever. Achieving that level of achievement Redundant, recursive, and self-referential and repetitive concepts for my life. In any case, um, that's a good question to ask myself, actually. What exactly is it about that time in Chicago that made it so great? Well, for one thing, I was making the most money I ever made. Two, I was dating the hottest... Uh, Possibly smartest and most exotic uh, woman I'd ever been with. Um, I remember one day looking around at all my friends, you know, on the back porch where we'd gathered at my girlfriend's place, and just thinking how proud I was to be where I was, when I was, and with whom I was with. Um, Not like tapping myself on the shoulder, but it was just, you know, this amazing revelation I had where everyone I was talking to, everyone engaged in this conversation, smoking weed and drinking in the back porch, smoking cigarettes, we were just all such smart people. You know, such, uh, I don't know, smart people, I am an intellectual snob, I will admit that. Um, I am one of those people who thinks you're the smartest person they walk in a room and I'm usually right honestly and I don't actually take any pleasure in that fact because I'm self-aware enough uh, to be able to say you know that's a pretty fucking boring party I'm at if I'm the smartest one in the room because really at the end of the day I'm not all that um, it's just that most of the world's so stupid it makes me look good so um, yeah, it was just, you know, so great to have these people who were really, like, at the top of their game at that t- period of time. You know, artists, and musicians, and biochemists, and-, and it was me, the dog walker. <laughs> uh, so anyhow, um, oh, I had also, uh, at the age of 30, finally gone all the way with another uh, man. And so I finally had to quit saying that I was straight with exceptions and just go ahead and say I was bi. Of course, now I say I'm pansexual. Um... But, uh... Yeah, at at 2017, fall of life was shit. Um... At at the same time, there was, you know, a pretty incredible person, my my roommate, best friend, J. Rowe, hey buddy, how are ya? Who had really gone above and beyond the call of duty uh, for quite some time at that point, uh, to keep me treading water, you know, uh, he could have just let me fucking drown in my own bullshit, and, and he didn't. And for that fact, I will be eternally grateful. J. ro stands amongst you know, the highest echelons of angels in my personal mythology, uh, for that reason, uh, and as I will, uh, reveal over the course of this podcast, there are actually no small number of angels, um, upon whose wings I glided through life, um, and to whom I owe my eternal gratitude, and I will even be doing an entire episode on gratitude. Because in terms of my own personal development, that's something that's very new to me. Like, true, like deeply felt, sincere gratitude. Um, but, yeah. So, I'm about to have a good place to turn off where I can begin reading. So, I am going to hit the pause button and have a sip of water. And I'll be right back. This commercial break brought to you by, 65 hour per hour speed limit. All right, I'm good with calling all that uh, part one and we just finished it. This is gonna be part two of the podcast, where I begin, by painting a pretty grim picture of my life, uh, at the time, by essentially listing, uh, facts and time spans and, you know, trying to paint sort of a picture of just where in my life I was at in the fall of 2017. I had been out as trans for almost four years. One year had passed since the death of my soulmate, Summer Flowers. I had lost three jobs in rapid succession, and three was also the number of years uh, that I had been on probation. After two and a half months' stint in the Benton County Jail, uh, three weeks after having been released from which I had lost a vision in my right eye during a drunken sword fencing lesson. Sounding good already, doesn't it? But wait, there's more. Five years had passed since I'd come sulking back to Fayetteville, Arkansas with my tail between my legs. Drunk had been my normal state of being for 18 years, and I just subsisted on the benefic- beneficence of my roomie-slash-bestie j Rowe and selling plasma twice a week, it hadn't yet occurred to me to do the math and determine it had been 22 and a half years since I'd last seen the high desert, my mother, or my siblings. My date with destiny happened to also have the distinction of being my first experience with overt transphobia. j Rowe and I received an eviction notice one day with no explanation whatsoever. And the landlord had taken j Rowe aside at one point, apparently, and invited him to return after he'd remodeled the apartment as long as he didn't bring me back with him. Jero declined. Not only because he was my best friend, and still is one of my best friends, but he just got a job an hour away and already found a place half an hour closer than where he was living at, so no point. Um, As a one-month notice, obligatory one-month notice, or slid by. I lifted nary a finger to improve my st- situation. I had no idea what I was going to do. Jobless, eminently homeless, I figured I'd build a camp somewhere. I'd been carefully cataloging prospective sites, ever since I was 18. Having crisscrossed town on foot for the better part of a quarter century. But. True story folks, I didn't get my driver's license until I was 35. Although I had driven probably, you know, a hundred thousand miles if I had driven one by that point. I'd even been pulled over at least a dozen times. And yet i I've never gotten cited for driving without a license. Ain't that something. Anywho. Why, you may ask, (laughs) would anyone mentally catalog potential campsites for 25 years? Was homelessness a common feature of my life? I did just tell you I'd been drunk for 18 years and losing jobs faster than you can say the serenity prayer. I even bragged about being homeless one summer uh, when I was 19. I know it's true. I spent uh, the last of my student loan money that semester on a jungle hammock and a bunch of rice and some cookware. Um, the reality is that I really just kind of couch surfed the whole summer, never once, having to bust out my jungle hammock. I'm not exactly sure why it was that I scrubbed all these uh, campsites, although it, the things definitely take, it took a turn around age 20 uh, when I began to find these old hobo camps all around the hill where I was living. And eventually my friend Brett and I, a female Brett, cleared all the garbage out of it. If I remember it was 10, 12 bags Big, fucking big, 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 contractor bags full of old cans and shit. And sort of rebuilt it from the remaining straps and stuff from other camps that I found laying around. Which is almost exactly what I do now. and uh, Or have been doing up until recently. And uh, it just always seemed like a good plan B, I guess. My parents raised me camping and I loved it. And it always felt so, I don't know, like I was pulling something over on life or the world by camping right in the middle of town, you know. Uh, But it never actually, you know, happened really until I moved to the high desert. But I'm jumping ahead a little bit. How did my Fayetteville-Arkansas blues become the high desert blues? Well... I'll tell you. This is where my life begins to get stranger than fiction, and I'll probably use that phrase quite often, overuse it in fact. In fact, it's already cliche, right? But I'm nothing if not unoriginal. So, as I said, I'd lifted a a finger to do anything. And I'd actually just the night before the night I'm about to describe, I had cut on myself in um, kind of a drunken boo-hoo moment, which was the first and only time, and last, uh, I might add, since I uh promised myself that I'd quit, which was when I was 29. So it was pretty low. And there I am, of course, packing my roommate's stuff because you know, it didn't take long to pack mine, it never does always been sort of a gypsy. That's the other thing. I always, you know, bounce from place to place to place, except for when I was with Summer. And then with uh, Jida in Chicago. I never really settled down at all. I mean, in the course of a few years in college, I must have moved 13 times. Um, back and forth, back and forth. Sometimes just back into the same place. Um, but there I am, getting drunk, of course. Packing j stuff. When there's a knock in the room, it's my friend, Sarah. Sarah had known Summer from way back. Uh, I believe they both went to Farmington High School. And uh, we'd gotten to be friends. For, we'd been friends for years. we have even been co-workers. She was my boss at one point. And uh, she just sort of point blank said, if you could go anywhere you wanted, I mean, anywhere where a bus ticket would take you. So obviously in this continent, where would it be? And first thing that popped in my head was Joshua Tree. Why? Joshua Tree has always been my childhood fairy tale playland. The 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 place in my personal mythology that just sort of had been elevated to Encapsulate and represent the best time of my childhood, I guess. Which is weird because honestly, the time after that, uh, the early years with my dad and my stepmom were really much, much better. Um, But there's just something about Joshua Tree, and anybody who's from here or has lived here, or uh, you know, kind of picked up on the vibe, will tell you the same thing. There's just something about it. You know, Yucca Valley's right next to it, no good. Twin Palmas is right next to it, no good. It's gotta be Joshua Tree. Turns out there's no bus to Joshua Tree, but that's besides the point. So, in order to save the maximum amount possible on the bus ticket because I didn't, you know, my friend was doing me a favor, and far be it for me to make her pay the extra money that I could, so I could just leave right away. Plus, I would to say goodbyes. And, you know, I knew that with an imminent departure date, that people would surely let me couch surf without much complaint. And so I figured I could just kinda freeload around Fayetteville for a little bit longer. And Fayetteville, having been my home for the better part of a quarter century, uh was really important to me. I I have to admit, it wasn't exactly easy to leave it. Um so I picked Josh Tree just more or less out of a hat, but subconsciously not so much. And, and Dallas would have been a much better choice. I had just recently lived in Dallas for six months and had a great time considering it was Texas. I always thought I would hate Texas. I even had a job waiting for me that would have been fat paid as a bar back. And um, I just, just didn't work out. The place I was sure I could live had gotten torn down. All my friends had just moved away. And I was too afraid of sleeping on the streets, ironically, and trying to hold down this job. Instead of just asking, you know, hey, Michelle, do you think I could maybe crash on your couch? Or maybe there's someone there that would let me crash? You know, I don't know why. I was so fucked up about it. Um, You know, it felt safer. Like I wasn't getting so too far away from home, home being paid, at that time. And so, yeah, I came to Joshua Dreamstead. So in the month of that, uh, I I'd picked the day after Thanksgiving as my date of departure. And after fabulous Thanksgiving with my good friend Lauren Co. and her family, I was off. And this began. by high desert transcripts Next episode, I will describe the very first inner creepings of doom to my thoughts. Relate how this eventually manifested in my journal. And perhaps set the stage for the insanity that came next. And also, perhaps uh, delve into Phaedra 101, either in a whole or part, I don't know yet. Thank you for listening. It's been a pleasure. I'm very excited. I think that now that I've got the narrative started, uh, all I got to do is find some really good weed and get high. Maybe have a couple of four locos. And the narrative should just write itself. I mean, it's already written, right? I've just got to loosen up enough to make it interesting. So, that embarrassing little uh, tidbit of information aside, I bid you adieu, 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 to you and you and you. Super cool party people. And if anybody listening can tell me what that quote was from, the super cool, super cool party people, a super cool adieu to you. I'll send you 10 bucks. All right. Peace out.